actually, this morning, I, I, I have a message, but I, I kind of struggle with the title because I, I thought I had a title for this message, but it could go so many different ways. But I feel that it's important for us to know who our God is. Well, let me say that again. We need to know who our God is. Just because you come to church doesn't mean you know your God. There are many people that come to church but never open the Word of God during the week. And they're doing it for years and think that they're okay. If you don't know who your God is, the God of this world will blind you to truth. And we live in perilous times right now. We live in times that the preachers behind pulpits are preaching heresy. And they're getting away with it because nobody knows what the Word really says in church. Because they won't open it up and study it to find out what it says for themselves. That's not none of y'all, right? But I want, let, let me just read a couple of things to you to get you to understand what's being said. Now, I'm going to quote, if, if I told you the authors of these statements, you would know every single one of them. They are famous preachers. They're on TV. They're making billions of dollars selling their books. But you judge for yourself if this is truth or error. But they have a huge following. I am a little God. I am one with God because I have a covenant relationship Therefore, I am a God. You're all gods. You don't have to have a God living in you. You are one. I think Satan got cast down from heaven for making a statement like that. We are gods in this earth, and we need to start acting like one. I don't know about you, but I need God. I am not God. I need a God. I need a Savior. This guy says, God cannot do anything on earth without human permission. This fella says, God lost his authority in the world by giving it to Adam. Now pay really close attention to what he's saying. As a result, the Holy Spirit is powerless to bring Jesus into physical existence. He was forced to wait until a willing human made an incarnation by speaking the correct faith words. The reason it took 4,000 years for Jesus to come is that God had to wait for humans to yield. And when humans spoke, Mary became impregnated with Jesus. I don't think humans had anything to do with Mary getting pregnant with Jesus. This guy believes in oneness, does not believe in a trinity, and he is now preaching that homosexual, homosexuality is now accepted by God. God changed his mind, by the way. And this guy says, I'm not going to say that Jesus is the only way to the Father, because God is such a gracious God that he will not judge others for trying to get in another way. That's heresy. That is false doctrine. There is no other name given among men whereby you must be saved, and his name. 
be deceived. I really don't want to be deceived. And if the devil can transform himself into an angel of light, he can look like a preacher behind a pulpit. And people are falling for his lies every single day because we're looking for an easy gospel. The gospel's not easy. I wish when I first got saved that it told me the truth. Remember, I got saved in that time when it was name it, claim it, have it, blab it. All you need is Jesus, and you're never going to have another problem. How many of you realize they lied to you? As soon as I accepted Christ, all hell broke loose. The devil said, no, I ain't giving her up that easy. Because when I tell you, I was a soldier for the devil out there in the streets. And they lied to me and said, this is an easy gospel. No, it's not. It will cost you everything that you have. And it may cost you your life one day. Because we live in a time where you've got to be politically correct. I am so sick of hearing those words. And it's in the prison system. I just got called down for it. Because I am getting ready to do a revival last year at the women's prison. And I'm, getting, I'm actually getting ready to speak. And we're outdoors. And we got 300 inmates out there outdoors under this covered uh, basketball area outside. And then all of a sudden, a group comes up and they said, we want to sing for you. We have formed a choir. Now, this is the prison. I don't give my microphone to an inmate because I don't know what lifestyle you live in in that dorm. And she said, we formed a choir. We would like to sing for y'all before you get up to preach. And I told her that. I said, I don't, I, I don't do that. And she said, Miss Christine, we've been practicing so hard. Why don't you let us sing? So my first response was, is everybody in that choir saved? Are they born again? Do they know Jesus? And she said, no, ma'am. Half of, about half of them don't. I said, my next question is this. Are they sleeping together? And she said, yes, they are. I said, you ain't singing. You're not singing. Not for my revival. You can sing for somebody else's revival. And you can sing to the cows come home by yourself. But you're not singing during my revival. When I said that, half of them got up and walked out. Even threatened my life and surrounded me the next day at the women's prison. About 10 of them surrounded me in the dorm. Matter of fact, security said, you might not want to come back. I said, I ain't let no devil keep me out of here. Not going to happen. And the power of God moved. I can tell you story after story because the devil cannot touch you unless God gives him permission. But I was told that I should have been politically correct and never mention and not step on toes, in other words, and tell them that because they're sleeping together, they couldn't sing. I said, well, I told them they couldn't sing because I don't let anybody sing during my revivals that I don't know personally. And if that didn't do, they wanted to know why. So I told them what the Word of God says. That's not good enough in today's time, church. We can't tell them that God hates homosexuality. That if you don't get out of that sin, it's not an alternate lifestyle. You're not born that way. It's sin, period, exclamation point. Can God deliver you? Absolutely. But I was told that I need to be a little more politically correct or I'm going to get thrown out of the prison system. God put me there and only God can take me out. But that's the times we live. 
intolerant of what the Word of God says. He don't want the Word to come forth. He doesn't want the truth to come forth. Do we know our God to where we know what truth is? If you don't study the Word, you will not recognize error when it's told you. You'll believe it. So why do we need to know? Why do we need to know our God? Who is Jesus to you? If you have your Bibles, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to go there myself because I want to read it. I'm quoted, but I want to read it correctly. Matthew chapter 16. Verse 13. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? They replied, Some say you're John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, and some of them say that you're just one of the prophets. And Jesus looks at them and he says, But who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus looks at him and he said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, Peter, but only my Father who's in heaven. Because flesh and blood, this world can't tell you who Jesus is. If the Holy Spirit don't show you who Jesus is, you won't ever know. See, it's not important who the pastor says Jesus is or who the youth pastor says Jesus is. On Judgment Day, they're not standing with you. But it is important who you say that he is. It's sad to say most Christians can't even give people a reason for the hope that lives on the inside of them. We preach to the church up north. I won't tell you the name of the church because you know the church. And the pastor took us out to eat, and he gets a phone call from someone who's fixing to commit suicide. And that pastor, I heard in myself, he said, hold on just a minute, I'll let Brother Rosemary talk to you, because I can't help you. And I'm about fit to be tied, and my husband's kicking me under the table. I'm like, what do you mean you can't help him? Do not get up and preach on Sunday morning if you can't help somebody who's fixing to commit suicide. You can't give them a word, something to give them hope. What are you doing preaching the gospel? And what kind of gospel are you preaching? You don't know who Jesus is. If you know who Jesus is, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt what to tell somebody when they want to end their life and they're not ready to meet their maker. Y'all are all staring at me right now. That's okay. You need to know, I want to challenge you to know who your God is. I want to challenge you, if you're walking through a storm this morning, God is more than able. Do not let the devil lie to you and tell you that God ain't moving anymore, because he is. God has been reminding me of past things that he has done. Because how many of you know when you go through a trial, you forget the things that God has done for you? It's important. Bring it back up. Start remembering when you first got saved, those little things God did for you, those little miracles, how he provided groceries when you didn't have none. Anybody ever been there? My husband and I prayed groceries to our front doorstep one morning. 
telling you, we opened that door and there was a bag of groceries sitting right there. We have prayed many, many times and God has answered. Don't forget what God's done for you just because you're walking through a trial right now. And it's hard. Listen, I, I understand it's hard when you're walking through something to trust God and believe Him for something. But trust through. God hasn't changed. Just because you're walking through something, God will not change. Just hang on a little bit longer because your miracle's coming. It's going to come. Just believe God for it. Who is he to you? Because if you go, and I, I, I hate to feel like I'm jumping, but in Mark chapter 6, what time is it? Pastor Meg, tell me what time you finish it. Oh, help us, Lord. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus comes to the synagogue, and he's made, how many of you know the synagogue is like a church? The Bible says, as it was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Lord's day. He brought a few of his disciples with him. He gets there, and he's getting ready to speak. And the Bible says, they were amazed at the things he was saying. And I'm paraphrasing for, for the sake of time here. Can I come down here? The Bible says they were amazed because he was he was doing some miracles in there because it, it which is kind of strange because if you read all the way down to the end of the chapter it said he did very few miracles among them because of their unbelief. But obviously he did do a few things or he told them about a few things. And then the Bible says they look at him. Now this is the church. This is not the heathens because I'm going to tell you where he was before he got to the church crowd. The church is saying. Isn't that Mary's son? Aren't his brothers and sisters here with us? Isn't this the carpenter? And the Bible point blank says they took offense at him. They got mad at Jesus for showing up at church. I'm here to tell you there are people that come to church that get, get mad because Jesus shows up at church. When's the last time you saw Jesus show up at church? Not just have church. Let Jesus be Lord and God and sit on the throne in your church service and do what he wants to do. We limit him so many times. God, you don't fit my schedule today. Let God be God. He might want to do something miraculous this morning if we give him a chance. But they got mad at God. Now, what happens when you get offended? I'll tell you, I get mad. Somebody offends me, my first emotional response is, I'm mad at you. And until I calm down, I'm still mad at you. I mean, no, we can hold on a long time. But they got mad at Jesus simply for being who he was. They reduced him down to a man. They didn't see deity in front of them. If you came to church this morning and Jesus is not fully God to you, don't expect anything from him. Because you still think he's the carpenter's son. You still think he's just a good prophet. But you don't see him as verily God that can do anything he wants to do. They got mad at Jesus. Why? What did he do? He, the Bible said he did very few things in front of them because of their lack of faith. If you read where he was before he got to the church, he was doing miraculous 
Holy Ghost-filled services where God's moving and doing things. When I get to the church the next morning, the church is dead compared to where I've been before that day. And it's hard to, to um, it's hard to transition because we're not church. Sometimes we're not expecting God to do nothing. We're happy with just hearing the word going home. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just hear the word. If Jesus can do miracles, I want to keep seeing miracles. Miracles are not for the believers. That should be common for us. Miracles are for the unbelievers so that they will know how strong and mighty and powerful their God is. Yet we act surprised when God does a miracle, and we're the church. Before he got to the church, he's trying to figure out who he is, who's getting mad at him, who he couldn't do many miracles because they lacked faith. Let me tell you where he was. Jesus was preaching on the shoreline. And then you'll know the story because he looked at the disciples and he said, let's go to the other side. They get in the boat, the storm comes, it's raging, Jesus is taking a nap. The disciples say, Lord, don't you care that we're going to perish? They wake him up. He's like, oh, you of little faith. He rebukes the storm and everything. And even the disciples, the Bible says, they were amazed at this man. Now, these are the very disciples he just sent out to cast out devils. Get that picture. He sent them out to cast out devils, and yet they're in the middle of a storm, and they think they're going to die because Jesus don't know how to wake up. Just think about it for a second. He gets to the other side. Jesus had a purpose to go to the other side. He knew exactly what he was doing. That storm did not catch him by surprise. He gets to the other side, and the Bible said he's met with a demon. Demons are real, by the way. If you don't believe in devils, come with me to the prison. I can show them to you. He's met with a demon-possessed man. The Bible says he was in, in the tombs, cutting himself day and night. I could go to a, a youth facility where these kids are cutting themselves. They will take plastic silverware that they eat with and cut their arms. Or they take cigarettes and sneak them under their mattress and they're burning themselves at night. It ain't nothing new. It started way back in Bible times. This devil was cutting himself day and night. It's demonic. At its roots, is demonic. I asked a young girl one time why, why she was cutting. I mean, I, had, I met this gang leader in prison. She had taken a knife, and she took a knife in her thigh and carved the word death. And she was a gang leader at this prison in, in Columbia, Mississippi. And I asked him, I want to know, why are you mutilating yourself? Almost without exception. One young girl explained it to me this way. She said, because it hurts so bad, Miss Christine. I hurt myself so that I don't hurt other people. That, that pain that I feel when I'm cutting dulls the pain that's on the inside of me. That is so sad that we have a whole generation out there that feel a need to, to maim themselves and feel incredible pain because it hurts so bad they don't want to function anymore. You want to know why they're getting wasted all the time? Because to live in reality is painful for some of them. That's why you get high. That's why you become a drug dealer and a drug addict. I was there. I was the biggest drug dealer in Lafayette that they had back in the day. Matter of fact, I was 
need to be a narcotics agent. The sheriff took me out. I dated him for a little while. And he took me out and offered me this position. I said, you think I'm stupid? I value my life. These people don't play. Why, did, why was I using, why was I an addict? Because I don't want to live in reality. Just tell me. A kid don't wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to become a drug dealer today. Or I think I'm going to become a gang member today. I think I'm going to... I'm going to use it today. I'm going to get so wasted and just go off on a five-day spree. No, something led him to do these things. And we want to judge him. We don't want him in our church. I was in a church, and one of our gang members walked in the back of the church, and he was so messed up, and he's just pacing back and forth. And I'm like, Russell, let's count him in the back. And not one person got out of their pew to go shake that boy's hand. He didn't know what he was doing in church. I believe the Spirit of God led him in the back of that church. And I had to get up. My husband had to get up and let him sit next to us because he had taken a bath and rain. But nobody else was going to let him sit next to him. There's something wrong with that picture, church. What are we here for if not to reach the world and the lost that are out there? Jesus, let, me, let me tell you something. Jesus is in the church, in the synagogue, not once did they acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. He gets before a devil. That devil, the Bible says, ran to him, fell down at his feet, and called him Lord. The demons know who Jesus is. If we even had a small revelation like they did, the things we could do for the gospel of Jesus. The devil knew who Jesus was, and did, long story made short, Jesus cast the devil out of him, put him in his right mind, and the whole town got mad at God. That's a whole other teaching, because they had lost their livelihood. Jesus gets back, I'm not going to go there, Jesus gets back in the boat, goes back to the other side, then he's met with a, a, a man in the, in the temple, in the synagogue, named Jairus. And Jairus comes to Jesus, the Bible says, again, Jairus falls down on his knees before Jesus and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, depending on what version you got. He fell at the feet of Jesus, not once did the church bow. But Jairus did because Jairus had a need of God. You know, sometimes we wait till we're in need before we ever bow our knees. Sometimes I think God's trying to get us to do that long before we get a need in our life. Jeremiah bows at his feet, he acknowledges who he is, and then he tells them, and I'm trying to try to put yourself in Jairus' place. See, when I was young, yeah, I was disruptive in school, but I was ADD before they knew what it was. So I was always in trouble because they bored me to death. So I, I, I try to read the Bible. Let me tell you the truth. The Bible can get boring sometimes. That's why people don't want to read it. So I have to read it with an open mind and imagine what's going on in these people's minds and then pull out research books and figure out why they did what they did. Then it becomes interesting. Jairus is standing there. He looks at Jesus. He said, my little girl's dying. She's dying, but I know, I know, if you'll just go put your hands on her, she's going to be okay. Jesus met that man where his faith was because a centurion came to him in another story and said, all you got to do is speak the word. Let me 
know Jesus didn't have to go lay his hands on her. He could have stood there and spoke the word and she would have been healed. But that's not where Jairus' faith was. His faith was, if you'll just put your hands on her, she's going to be okay. And Jesus tells him, come with me. I'm going to go with you, Jairus. Let's walk this journey together. Let me tell you something. When Jesus says it's going to be okay, he said, just walk with me. Just believe me. Just believe him. Because the devil's going to come. Before you get your miracle, the devil's going to come and start whispering in your ear. If Jesus says it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. Jesus said, come on with me. Let's go. We're going to go to your house. I'll meet you where your faith is, Jarius. But on your route, Jesus is met with a mob of people who want to hear him. And one of those people was the woman with the issue of blood. Everybody knows the story. You've heard many teachings on that story. The woman with the issue of blood spent all her money, couldn't get healed, didn't know. But she said in her mind where her faith was, if I can just get in there and touch the hem of his garment, I know that I know that I'm going to be okay. Now, I want you to get this because I've been talking about it with my volunteers because that story has always fascinated me. She reaches in, she touches the hem of his garment. The Bible says she thought, no, the Bible says immediately she felt healed. Immediately. Now, she could have got up and left. She was healed already. Think about it. But she didn't. Then Jesus says, who touched me? Because he felt power leaving. And the, I'm going to paraphrase. The disciples said, really, God? I mean, really, Lord? There's a big crowd right here. You want to know who touched you? Yes, he does. Because when you press through every obstacle in your life to reach Jesus, it gets his attention. And he said, I want to know who touched me. I can't find another instance anywhere in the Bible where Jesus did that. But the Bible said he turned around and she realized what was happening. She falls down at his feet. Now remember, she's already healed. She falls at his feet. And the Bible says she told him the whole truth. I can't find anywhere else in the Bible where that ever happened before. She was already healed. She could have walked. But what was it? I want to know what that truth was. Well, she told him the whole truth. What was it? The Bible don't tell me. I don't like that. So I'm I'm really praying, God, show me something. What was it that she just had to tell him? Because when she did, Jesus looked at her and said, now you've been made whole. So what's the difference between being healed and being made whole? How many of you know people that come up to an altar call and it looks like God heals them instantaneously? But then three months later, they're back in the same condition that they were in. What is it you're leaving out? What is it you're going back to? What is it that you're just not telling God and fessing up to? How many of you know he it already? You don't confess to Jesus because he needs to know. You confess because you need to know. You need to get it out. God, I am mad at Sister So-and-So because she just runs me the wrong way. You think that's trivial? It's happening in the church. You might as well tell God you don't like her. 
None of y'all ever did that, right? You never went to God and said, I don't like this person. Y'all lying. I know you're lying. I ain't the only one. There's people in church that you just don't like. And you prefer not to be around them. But you got to love them. I don't have to like you, but I have to love you. <laughs> There's just some people that will never get better. I'm convinced, and we do a lot of counseling. There's some people who want to waste your time. I'm at a point in my life, if you're not going to take my advice, don't waste my time. Because some people are happy being miserable. I've learned that. Anybody don't know anybody that's happy in their misery? She told him the whole story, then she was made whole. Now, understand this. Jerry is watching all of this. I'm sure in the back of his mind, he said, put my daughter, Lord, she could die any minute. And here you are praying for this woman that you already healed. Why are you wasting time with her? Please, let's leave and go meet my daughter. That, that was your thought. That was my thought. He's concerned about his daughter. And in the middle of all of this, here comes the crowd from Jerry's crowd. Here comes the devil. I like to call him the devil crowd. Here comes the devil. Jairus, don't bother him anymore because your little girl just died. Jesus told him it was going to be okay. Let's walk. Jairus, let's get to your house. She's going to be fine. And yet here comes the crowd. Here comes those doubts. Here comes those thoughts. She's dead already. No, God wouldn't do that to me. Ever said, God, you wouldn't do that to me. God, you would surely wouldn't heal her and not heal my daughter. I want to put it in plain, simple English where we live. The reality is we do say that. The reality is we do see people come up here and get healed all the time, and we wonder where our blessing is. Or we wonder why God hasn't answered our prayer. Or why he didn't heal our grandbabies or our children or why we're left unhealed or whatever you're walking through. We get that way, and we get mad at God. I'm trying to put myself in Jairus' shoes emotionally. Where was his mind at that time when they said, your daughter just died? Well, you took all your time wasted on this woman. And Jesus looks at Jairus and said, Jairus, just follow me. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Just believe me. Just walk with me. I didn't even know that was hard to do. I don't know about you, but somebody says, your child is dead. And Jesus said, no, they ain't. I've never had to experience that. But I've heard stories. I heard stories in my home church years ago where a man literally caught a heart attack died on the front row. And Pastor King just reached over and prayed for him and came back to life. I want that kind of power. I want to see that happen in the church. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt God can raise the dead. I believe that. I believe God can heal people in the wheelchair. That's how I have seen. I want to build your faith this morning. In the women's prison, we had a woman come in. They just told her she'd never walk again. She was paralyzed from the waist down. She came in in a wheelchair in the service. She comes up and says, can your God heal me? I said, he can. But are you born again? She said, I'm not. I said, you got to take care of first things first. Healing is a children's work. And she said, what do I have to do? And anyway, long story short, she prayed. She received the Lord. We laid hands on her. God hit that wheelchair. She jumped up and started running around the church. Just told her she'd never walk again. God still can make people who are lame get up and walk. God can still heal cancer. 
rugs because the next one that came up had this huge purple growth on the side of her neck. And she just got diagnosed with cancer. She said, can your God do this for me? Can he get rid of this? I said, absolutely. We laid hands on her and it disappeared. There might have been about 80 women in that church service that all lined up. How many of you know when God starts moving, everybody wants a piece of the action? But I'm telling you this because, God, I see it more miraculous things take place in other places than the church. I see it more often in the world than I do in the church. That shouldn't be. That shouldn't be. We have the answer, church. Jairus said, just follow me. Jesus said, Jairus, just come with me, follow me. Long story made short, Jesus gets over there, lays hands on the the 12-year-old girl. You know, they hired the mourners and the weepers and all this, and they're wailing, and and Jesus said, she's not dead. They got mad, so Jesus threw them all out. Sometimes you want your miracle, get rid of some people. Hear me out. You're going to have to get rid of some people in your life that will not stand with you to believe God. Get rid of those doubters that are going to say, your God can't do that. It's already done. You're going to die anyway. No, get rid of them. Get rid of some old friends that drag you down. And sometimes it's well-meaning people in the church. Be careful what people speak into your life. We did a church service once, and a woman came lay her hands on me, and she said, God told me to tell you that you need to leave your husband. Now, my husband's standing right there. You don't know my husband. He was fit to be tired. And she looked at me, and she said, God said to tell you that you're to leave your husband. He's hindering your ministry. Had I not known the word, and I was looking for a way out, she just gave it to me. I could have said, oh, God said, I'm by, I'm history, I'm gone. How many married people got in here? How many of you ever wanted to pack it up? <laughs> I could tell you some stories, but I won't. Um, <laughs> but I looked at her and I said, that ain't the word of God. God would never tell me that. And then my husband got a hold of it. But if you don't know what the word is, people don't speak things on you. You need to be careful what you're listening to. But again, who is God to you? How much of the word are you reading to know error from truth? Jesus lays his hands on her. The little girl gets up. She's alive and well. He tells them, give her some food, let her live. Why are you saying all this? Because I want to build your faith. These were people that were not necessarily church-going people. And if he will do it for them, he will do it for you this morning. What are you believing God for? What is it that you haven't told him? You need to get it out. There's some things that we bury deep down inside. We, we can bury things so deep as though it never happened. But I'm telling you, God wants to reveal himself in your life if you're just willing to give him a chance. What do you need from God this morning? Is there anybody here you're sick? And the doctor said, it will take a miracle in your life. Let's believe God this morning. If you're not saved, if you're sitting in this service and Jesus is not your Lord, then you need to be up at the altar because we need to pray for you. You need to surrender everything in your life over to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. 
best decision you'll ever make. I ain't going to candy coat it because if you don't know him and you die, you will split hell wide open. Only two places we're going contrary to many religions. There is no middle ground. There is no holding place. It's heaven or hell. Every one of us that are born again have to walk this all. Let me tell you something. If you won't do it in front of the church, you'll never do it out there. You won't do it in front of your buddies and your friends and, and all that stuff when you can forget it. This is people who love you, that will pray for you, that will be there when you need them. Let me tell you something I learned real quick when I got arrested. Nobody knew me. They ain't going to be there for you because they're not going to go down with you, I promise you. So if you don't know Jesus, man, best decision you'll ever make. Best decision you'll ever make. Sell out to him. Give it all up. Let me tell you something. You do not have to clean yourself up to come to Jesus. That's his business. Come just as you are. He will take you just the way you are and let 